Hey, welcome to this episode of the John Papaloni Show. Today we have Morgan Aaron Zeller. Welcome to the show. Hey, John, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. I want to start off the episode like I start off every episode, a little description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I'm working Aaron Zeller. I'm a real estate investor. Uh, really how I got to becoming a real estate investor is um, when I was 14, I developed a business to business SaaS solution, discovered cryptocurrency at a very early age, poured all my money from my SaaS business into uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Um, so from there, I made a decent hunk of money, bought my first duplex when I was 17, used that money to help, you know, pour it to fund my college education. Uh, and then right after, right when I graduated college, I liquidated some more and poured all that into more physical assets. What made you come up with that idea? Right, because it's not easy. Usually people hang around and complain, then they get their uh, regular uh, job, whether it's Starbucks, McDonald's, whatever it is that they usually start off in. And, uh, you know, they just focus on that or rack up the student debt, then wine that they have to pay the student debt. You went beyond that and uh, tried to find a uh, more lucrative opportunity versus just going with the flow. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, I would say everyone I was surrounded by, you know, was just going like the flow, like you said. But that first real estate investment, I made a duplex I bought from my grandma. Um, so I was 17 years old and I was like, okay, every wealthy person that I know or someone who has, you know, a good hunk of money, they're all involved in real estate. So that's right away clicked with me. That's telling me something. And then I just kept educating myself while I was in college in my free time, you know, after classes, stuff like that. I didn't waste a lot of my money. You know, I was doing things like flipping cars. Uh, one time I even picked up a dog for free and flipped it because I had, a, I was the hustler mentality. I wanted to, you know, make it, I wanted to be better than average. And I didn't come from money at all by any means. So um, I literally just did whatever it took to get money to get my real estate career off the ground. I just knew it was, knew it was the, the right decision. And I knew it was going to be a lot of work and a long time until I started seeing good results. Um, those results came a lot quicker than expected, I think, because of the commitment I made on the education side before I actually, you know, pushed myself off the cliff to get into this. Uh, so that's really, I would say the backing behind it, um, just wanting to be better than average. And I just want to provide more and give back to my family and my friends. Gotcha. But did I hear that right? That you said you started dog flipping? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my one friend, his well, my college roommate, his one friend from his hometown was like, oh, do you guys want this dog? Uh, you know, I'll give it to you for free. We just had puppies. And he texted me about it. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm 20 years old, 21. I don't want to deal with the dog. Like none of the other roommates wanted to. So I was like, let's see what kind of, see what dog it is. And like, we looked it up and it was like a $500 dog. And I was like, I was like, I'll tell you what, like I'll post it. I'll market it. We split it 50, 50. <laughs> so, so we ended up getting the dog. I sold the dog. He went, gave the dog to a girl I went to um, high school with. But yeah, I flipped the dog, um, flipped some cars, all types of stuff. I used to flip candles. Um, but yeah, very, very entrepreneurial growing up. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I've heard of uh, flipping couches. I've heard of cars. I've never heard of dog flipping before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was dedicated. I was dedicated to do whatever it took to get into this industry. <laughs> I, I, I gotta admit, I'm like kind of mixed here. I don't know. It's like poor dog or smart thinking. You know, like <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I get I get a lot of mixed reactions from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in a way, I get it. Right, and the dog needs a loving home. Mm -hmm. and you're not able to provide it and then uh while instead of just leaving it in limbo where nobody knows where to put it 
you found uh, a loving home for it. So in a way, it's kind of good, but not something I would have thought of myself. Yeah. Interesting. Now, going to what you were saying in terms of um, you found an opportunity with real estate. You said you're, you were educating yourself. How did you educate yourself? Yeah. So in my free time, I, you know, just consistently watched a lot of podcasts on YouTube. I'm um, the first one that really, you know, started clicking real estate and I started noticing, you know, wow, this has a lot of potential. I watched Clayton Morris, a video of him on YouTube, and he was going over the Burr method. And I was maybe 18 at the time, and I see this, and I'm like, oh, wow, like... I didn't know this type of stuff existed because, you know, when you're young, you're not around, you know, business. My number one in my family owned a business. And then like that clicked with me and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know this stuff existed. So then I really started digging and digging and digging and uh, yeah, just became obsessed with learning. I get that part. Now, you know, again, that's uh, kudos to you for uh, doing that. I mean, self-education is important. It's like, Okay, you said you said you started at 17, 18. I get it. Okay, you got your grandma's uh, place first or duplex. I'm sure she, you know, gave you a helping hand there because I can't see you, you being able to afford that at 17, 18 without her lending hand. So point is that when you're getting onto your next possessions, you're not exactly 40. So no. my, my, my question is, how did you arrange the financing to grow from there? Yeah. So like I said, I started a software company when I was younger. So I had a lot of profits from that. Um, that duplex, I put 5,000 down. Uh, my grandma sold it to me for 20,000. It was a little bit under market in the area. Uh, keep in mind, it needed complete renovation. So it's not like, you know, the Taj Mahal or anything like that. Complete renovation because her tenants wrecked it. Uh, the whole nine yards. So, you know, the entire time I'm trying to do this, I have my family chirping in my ear. Oh, it's a bad investment. You can't do this. You can't do that. Like, what makes you think you're going to be able to do this? Like, it didn't work for your, you know, your grandmother. So I got them chirping in my ear the whole time. And meanwhile, like, I just want to prove them wrong so bad. And uh, so that was a big driver behind it. So I also, you know, I worked at Wise as a when I think I was like 16, as a uh, cashier, um, I lived a very modest lifestyle. And also I was a pizza delivery boy uh, for about a year and a half too. So all my tips made minimum wage. Um, so like I said, I put that five grand down and then every all the other money, I paid her about anywhere from a thousand to three thousand what I could afford per month. So I ended up paying it off in about a year, give or take. And then from there, I went to college. Uh, my last semester of college, what I did there was I went to a foreclosure auction. COVID just was happening. It was early 2020. And uh, like I said, this is where I was, you know, flipping cars, got into, you know, the dog, started, you know, flipping shoes, clothes, Supreme, anything I could get my hands on. And then, you know, went to the foreclosure auction. I was the only one that bid, got the house for $10,000 in my college town. And then from there, you know, I was, I still had money, you know, left over for my software, my cryptocurrency investments were popping still. Liquidated some of that, put 17 grand into the renovation, did it a lot myself and subcontracted the workout on what I couldn't do. Uh, and then from there, I had a solid foundation where I could pull the equity out and go invest into more. That, that is interesting. Now, there's two things I want to talk about. First thing um, is I want to talk about that mindset, right? Because you had your parents in your ear buzzing and, you know, everybody gets that, you know, just like they grow up with that stupid saying, go to school, get a good education so you can get a good job and you can uh, save for retirement, yada, 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 yada. And as we are discovering today, that advice does not work. And, but the point is, how did you handle, like mentally, how did you handle that constant, uh, you know, babber in your ear and know that you were on the right track and just be able to shelter that out? 
Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. So I, I think I recognized at a very early age the potential of real estate and the, you know, it's a long-term investment. Like I said, I discovered the burr, I saw the vision and I saw the vision of the potential that this could become. But yeah, really, you know, everyone's just chirping, no, it's not worth it, it's too risky, it's too risky. Uh, my parents were very risk adverse, you know, uh, don't like to take too much risk. So they're, yeah, they're always, were chirping and I just tried to turn, turn the music down in the background. It's like one of those things, um, are you gonna take, if you want a Ferrari, are you gonna take, you know, advice from someone who's driving a Chevy or a Ferrari? Uh, so that's kind of how I had the mentality. Why am I gonna listen to, you know, these, my parents, granted, they want the best for me, which I think is a lot of the problem now. You know, as a parent, you want, you know, the best and the safest route for your child, but that's, I think the wrong option. I think it should be take risk while you're young, um, go discover new things, discover what you're good at, what you're not good at, you know, trip and fall a few times. Um, Cause that's where, you know, the learning experiences, that's where you actually learn is, you know, from mistakes. In my opinion, guys, this has been the shortest podcast I've ever done because that was a mic drop moment and pretty much made the whole show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Cause that was awesome advice. And I like, I'm just blown away with that. Now, I, I, you know, like, wow, right? Like, I've preached that a long time. I mean, that safe route your parents want you to take, mm-hmm. sorry, mom and dad, if you're watching this, um, is that uh, not really the safe route. That's actually the more dangerous route because you're leaving your fate in other people's hands. You're leaving your fate in a uh, system that hasn't proven itself to be true anymore. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, I think the public schooling system pushes it a lot on the kids today as well, too. Absolutely. Where do you think they get their bills paid from? Yeah. Yeah. And what was it? John Rockefeller was the one who funded the public school system and he wanted, you know, uh, labor's full of workers, not entrepreneurs. So, I mean, just do some digging into that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I think once upon a time, there was a place for school. What I think the issue has happened is that uh, the curriculum has changed and dummied down so that instead of learning, kids are memorizing. Yeah. Where I grew up in an era where you learned, if you gave me the mathematical timetable, I can actually answer it, not because I memorized it, because I know how the math works. Today's generation will only be able to answer what they remember and Mm -hmm. need a calculator for the rest because they don't know how to do the actual calculations. And that is, it's, it's not their fault. That's the way the education system went. And the second layer that ruined the education system is aside from making it a memory game versus a learning game is the fact that you're still teaching old lessons that no longer apply with technology. Yeah, that's really big. I see that a lot in today's world. Everyone's stuck in the, the early eighties, nineties, 2000 eras. And I really, you know, going with innovation that's going on in the world. Yeah. Now I'm going to get into another part, which is a little touchy subject for me, which is cryptocurrency. Okay. What made you get into that? Like, I'm going to be honest. I'm one of those guys that crypto came out and I still believe to this day. And to some point I am right that I think it's idiotic, but, but if you're an early adopter and you got in and got out at the right time, you won. But it's like trying to time the real estate market. That's almost impossible. Some people got very, very lucky and did very, very well. And I think you're one of those. And some people got in too late in the game and got the idiotic, you know, outcome that I was talking about. And, uh, but you know, if you're an early adopter, and I think that's where the key thing is the early adopter part, you were able to see that vision too. You got in, 
made profits, got out, you might still have some, but I'm willing to bet whatever you initially put in, even if whatever you have left went down, you're still ahead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How did you know that? That's what I, how did you know to go there? Like, I, I'm, I'm assuming being an early adopter, you weren't following the crowd. Yeah, that's a great point. As Warren Buffett would say, you know, you're seeing a lot of these people now get burned. Now it's a little bit more mainstream. Um, as Warren Buffett said, you know, be, be greedy when those are fearful and be fearful when those are greedy. So I think, you know, a lot of those people who got burned buzz, they're chasing the buzz, the next hot thing. You don't want to be chasing the next hot thing as just uh, Jeff Bezos says as well too. Um, but how I really discovered Bitcoin um, back in around 2011, 2012 was, so I was running a very pretty successful, in my opinion, software company. Um, you know, I was making profits at, you know, 15, 16 years old, upwards $800 to $1,000 a day uh, online. Now that was a lot of money to me. Now with that comes, you know, when all those, that type of money comes in, PayPal wants to know where's it coming from, right? And I'm, you know, 15 years old. I don't know really much about businesses, how stuff's incorporated, taxes, anything like that, because I wasn't brought up around that. You know, my parents were W-2 jobs, very modest. Like I, I didn't have the education. So PayPal, you know, they're scramming down my throat. Oh, we want to see this, that, that. And you have to be 18 years old to have an account with them. So I'm like 15, 16. I'm like, okay, you know, I don't want to throw, you know, what I just dedicated three years of my life to, you know, learning some coding, all of that, you know, up till 4 a.m. working on stuff, going to high school. I don't want to throw that away. I recognize that I have an opportunity in front of me that 99.5% of people never will. So from there, I start, you know, searching, you know, how, how can I get money, you know, for my, my software that I'm giving out. Uh, and that's how I really discovered Bitcoin originally was because PayPal and all them were giving me such a hard time because I was under 18 years old to have an account with them. So I'm thinking, okay, I, I got to accept money somehow. And then that's how I, I start digging and digging and researching. And that's how I came across Bitcoin um, because the anonymy and then me not being under eight, me being under 18, it didn't matter. I could still accept payments that way. Okay. So it was really, you didn't find it as an investment opportunity. You more found it as a necessity to uh, get paid. Yeah. Pivoting in my business. And then obviously as I researched more in it and dug more into it and the technology behind it, uh, I really believe behind the technology in it. Got it. Got it. That's actually kind of clever. And, and again, that's, that's, what I see, you're able to find a problem. This is what an entrepreneur is. They find the problem and they figure out how to solve the problem. Yeah. Right. And, and you, you've done it in all facets along the way. So good for you. Kudos to that. So with that being said, now, now, like what happened to that software company? Like, did you end up walking away from it, selling it, giving up on it, closed it, burned it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So looking back, this was probably the worst mistake in my, in my, in my life, even though I still am pretty young. Um, so like I said, they were giving me such a hard time. I ended up, uh, right before I went to college, I just sold it for 15 grand because I was tired of fighting with PayPal and all these, um, you know, third party fintech companies uh, to take to take, you know, the money. And when I transitioned to Bitcoin, I mean, I was still, you know, making the money and getting the payments. But the thing was, back in 2011, 2012, no one knew what the hell this shit was. So so like literally my, you know, payments or my transactions dropped probably, you know, 70%. So for every 10 sales I was, you know, making on PayPal or wherever was now, you know, dropping down to two, three sales. So that really took, you know, hit hard. Um, and then, you know, it was just a lot of frustration. I got in, 
I made a, a pretty large chunk of money. And then I was like, you know what? I was going off to college. I wanted to, you know, focus on studies, get the college experience. So I decided to just sell it. Um, looking back, I definitely should have kept with it and not went to college. Well, I don't know about the college part. Um, here's my my theory, and you tell me if you agree or disagree, and some people watching may think I'm an idiot, and that's okay. Um, this is just a perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, and, and I don't know if you even considered this, like you're having a problem in terms of the money part because of your age. Did you ever consider partnering with someone who is of age, who could have you know, played that front role and uh, solved those issues where you're still a part of the business? That's a great point. I think my, my, I thought of that, but I was, you know, I was in a very, I graduated with like 70 people in my high school and I didn't know anyone who had technology smarts like me. I was the smartest person I knew in that aspect. And when well, you're running two things here, not to get, yeah, yeah. two things here. Here's problem. One is you're in the wrong room. Exactly. Problem number two is that you're looking for people in your own group. Now you're not looking, you, you wouldn't have been looking for someone who had the technology. You need somebody to be the face of the company that was yeah. of age. It didn't yeah. really matter what they knew because you knew it in the background. Right. Right. So yeah, I think that was just, just a mix between that and me getting fed up. Uh, that I just decided to sell it, make a big lump sum. Not a big lump sum, but, you know, that's a big lump sum to, you know, someone who's 16, 17 years old uh, at the time. So I think it was just a mixture of all that and, you know, no one around me that I knew at the time because I didn't know wealthy people. I didn't know anyone in technology really at the time. Uh, so it was just a mixture of being fed up in the wrong room, didn't have the, wasn't surrounded by the right type of people. And, you know, if I'm going into business with someone, I have the mindset, okay, I want to hire someone who's smarter than me in different fields. You know, I want to want someone who's can do something that I can, who can bring me up can elevate me. And I just don't think I had that, that vision or had that person around me at the time. Um, however, now that I'm older, I actually am working on another software project right now. Cause I love it <laughs> and I'm going to do it so much better than the first one. Got it. Got it. Now, brings up the second part i mean you're saying that the whole university thing was wrong mm-hmm. and i don't think it was and i don't mean for the curriculum as we talked about earlier before the one thing that university still delivers to some not to all because some people miss the point is that the social aspect that comes with it yeah that's right yeah. and that's really what university is it's about or college it's about that social aspect of meeting people who and coming up with connections or people that in a sense, will be able to network with you or be able to, you'll be able to see a different variety of people and you learn the social skills through mm-hmm. that. Now, that's the one thing that universities and colleges still deliver is that social atmosphere and that that ability to learn to network with people and to go to flow. And you can see upcoming trends through those people while you're there. For the curriculum, we've agreed that it's gone down the tubes. It's just, right? But, uh, <laughs> but, but the social aspect is still there. Now, is it still there for the price that you're paying to be there? That's questionable. But there is a certain skill that you developed as a result of going there. So for me, I look at it and say, you got a learning lesson as a result of that. You're absolutely 100% right. Um, as far when I meant that as exactly what you meant, the curriculum aspect, um, I think is, you know, went to the pooper. And but in the sense of, you know, the networking and, you know, the return on time and investment in that, I would say really depends on the individual and what his goals are and how motivated they are. So, 
you know, me myself, I'm an extremely motivated person and I execute on a lot of that I learn on because, you know, um, learning without executing on it is just a waste of time. So, you know, some of the good things that came from that university example, I bought that, you know, that second house for $10,000, which led my real estate career and my, you know, my real estate portfolio. So, you know, that's an obviously a great plus. I have a handful of people, my friends from college that I went to college with where we're business partners. We own, you know, about eight houses together. So, you know, that's a return on investment as well, return on time, developing great relationships. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely value the relationships more than uh, the numeratical number, um, because I think, you know, as you develop great relationships, money will come, you know, down the line. So that's, that is one, you know, a few pluses that did come from going to the university was the social skills and the networking and everything you just mentioned. Absolutely. In fact, to be honest, that's all I took away from it. The actual yeah. programs, I don't remember what programs I were in, put it that way. So <laughs> yeah. with that being said, you know, that's a great thing. Now you got eight houses with them. You did two on your own, right? Mm-hmm. You have a duplex plus uh, another single family home, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So those other ones just came recently. Um, but yeah, I had a duplex and then right my last semester, I bought another house right when I was graduating and then did the Burr method from that and really just start replying all the money back into real estate. Got it. So now if I'm not mistaken, you're at about 10 in total then. No, I'm right now upwards of close to around 20. I just That's was selling some, yeah. <laughs> I just was selling a few, I have a few for sale right now too. And I have another four to lock up when I go fly back up to Pennsylvania here uh, tomorrow. And I have some other ones coming up as well that I've been working in the pipeline for a little bit. All right. Let, let me ask you something that, that brings up a good point there. What, what area did you end up buying these homes in? Are they scattered or are they in one particular spot? Uh, great question. So my first one, it was about, you know, about an hour north of central PA. That was around my hometown area. Uh, when I was 17, I bought that one. And then the other one, you know, right when I graduated college, that one was in my college hometown, Bloomsburg University. That's like Northeast PA. I ended up moving into that house after college. So that's where I really started building up. My portfolio was around the Northeast Pennsylvania region. And that's where most of my properties are at today. Got it. Now, okay. So you basically bought in the area you knew, which is kind of good. Now, why are you selling? Why am I selling? So I myself, I don't like to sell them, but some of the people that I'm partnering with, they want to sell them. So they were the capital investors. So I want to be respectful to that, obviously. Got it. Got it. Yep. Right away when you said, I don't want to sell it, I knew right away. It's your partners. Yeah. That makes sense. And and again, everybody wants an exit at some point. Mm -hmm. It just happens to be now is their point. Yeah. So where are you going to go from here then? Like once uh, also that you're looking at acquiring more, are you going to acquire in the same area or are you shifting uh, focus? So I have a, I want to get more down here in the Tampa Bay area, but I developed such a strong deal flow in the Northeast Pennsylvania region, just from, you know, networking up there, meeting with all wholesalers, brokers. So I have a extremely good deal flow coming still while I'm down here in Tampa. Um, so I want to keep that channel open because a lot of the deals that we're closing on are anywhere from like 200 to 600% annualized rate of returns. So I think that would be very wise of me to shut that channel down at all. So I want to keep that channel open while I start up my 
um, another channel here down in the Tampa Bay area. Um, some things that I'm working with right now is surrounding myself with a lot of fund managers and institutions. Right. Uh, so that's on my forecast for, I want to say next year, is opening up my own fund and raising you know tens, hundreds of millions of dollars and deploying that into the market. Uh, so that's what's on my forecast. What I've been doing a lot lately is surrounding myself with very, very wealthy people, people who you know, worked for Grant Cardone. We all know him in the space. People who are surrounded by, you know, this, all these, all this tens, hundreds of millions of dollars. So that's what I've been working on a lot recently um, because I have the track record, the experience, all that. Now I just need the money machine. Now I'm going to ask a risky question here, but I got a feeling it's because you're going to have that answer, which is, I see where you want to go and you want to raise these funds and you want to build this fund and you want to get around wealthy people. Now, what is the benefit for them to invest in your fund and do it with you versus just going out to do it themselves? I would say it depends on the people, your target audience. Um, example, like go-getters are going to want to be actively invested. I'm going to go after, you know, people who want to be passively invested, people who are 40s, have, have you know, kids who are in sports, children who don't have that, that drive anymore, like when they're in their 20s, their 30s. And I know that a lot of people are going to be like more, going to look at it as a disadvantage. Morgan, you're so young, like... Why should I trust you? Well, that should be, I'm going to turn around. That should be the reason, you know, you go invest this money with someone who's 40, 50 years old, who's taken five vacations to Hawaii a year. Who do you think's grinding more? Who do you think's working weekends? Who do you think's not going out on, you know, all these vacations, these date nights, spending money? Like I got nothing to lose. I got, I mean, I do, but like, I got, you know, the whole drive behind me. And I think that's one of the things that separates me from a lot of the other ones as well. Except you said one key component here. What's that? You have nothing to lose, which means they have everything to lose. Yeah. So that's a great point. When I do do this, I will be investing my own skin in the game as well. Um, but yeah, they do have everything to lose. I didn't, yeah. I get it came again, out. Don't get me wrong. That wasn't an attack. I was asking yeah. more of the point that I, again, I asked it because I had a feeling you knew the answer. You had an answer for it. It wasn't just sort of a, ah, I got caught. <laughs> it was yeah. more of the fact that you, you kind of thought this through. I mean, you, you seem to be very um, forward thinking, very, and you have the drive, like you said, I see the drive in you, which is why I was willing to take that risk on that question. <laughs> yeah. That's the point. Um, I say I'm looking, you know, trying to plan my life out and quarters and years ahead to try it and then meet those. I, I analyze myself a lot as a person, I would say. And I analyze, okay, I need to hit this mark for the future and try to reverse engineer what I want to, to get those results. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what, you know the way you should be. If you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? Yeah, I think that's a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs' problems. Well, beginner people who are just trying to get into this space, they they just don't have a goal and a a solid plan set, and then they get lost. Right, as you know, when we talked about, I'm starting my own fund, right, Papaloni Capital. Mm -hmm. And when people ask me, where what's your objectives, and I already say, where do you want to be five and ten years from now? So, and I and, and I turn them, look them straight in the eye and say a billion dollars in, in, in uh, management. And the look on their faces is just like, whoa, right? <laughs> yeah. But again, it's like you, you have to know your end game mm -hmm. so you can work from the beginning to the end. 
I'm already at the 10 year mark and I have to sometimes slow myself down and remember you're planning based on what you're going to be in 10 years. You're not there yet. Kind of slow down, right. <laughs> not slow down <laughs> as in hold back, but like, don't go out there planning as if you're there, work yeah. your way to get there. <laughs> Cause yeah. Cause your mind is always like, like you said, I know the end game and I'm working my way backwards. So yeah. that's exactly it. And I, I love that. Absolutely love that. So, and, and, you know, I think you got the right mindset. For so sure. How old, how old are you now? I'm 25. And that's what makes it incredible. At 25 years old, you got that mindset, you got that drive. Most 25 year olds are trying to figure out which beach the girls are on. I I see that a lot <laughs> too much with a lot of my my friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, but then again, there there a lot of people are willing to settle for uh, average. Yeah. There's nothing, I mean, there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just myself personally, I have way more, way higher goals than what I want to do with my life. Absolutely. And I think there's everything wrong with it. Settling, I mean, I love when they settle for average because then I can overcome them. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Someone's got to, someone's got to flip the burgers. Reality is in all, all jokes aside, I think there's a, I think an abundance, I think there's enough pie for everybody out there. So I think you're doing yourself a disservice by uh, being average, by settling, by not going after your dreams. M nobody's ever really regretted trying and failing, but more people regret not trying. That's yeah. I would say that's a huge, something huge. I took from Jeff Bezos. I think he said something similar to that as well. He didn't want to get old and then, you know, when he's older, have all this regret, uh, like when he started Amazon, um, that's what I believe he said was he didn't want to go, you know, working a white collar job. And then when he's older, regret not taking that risk, not trying to start that business. So that's something that really has sunken in with me too, just giving it my all. And, you know, most people who do give it, you know, 100, 120%, I hear a lot of success stories. I don't really hear too much of the failing. Um, you just got to have that, that dedication and commitment. Oh, believe me when I say this, you don't hear it because they're not talking about it, not because they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Right. I've had I've had numerous successes in my life, but I've had more failure in my life. Just nobody yeah. talks about that part. Yeah, no one sees that. Yeah, except let, let me be clear. My successes were at least 10 X mm -hmm. the failures. So yeah. overall, I'm still ahead, but That's I had good. to go through the failures to get to the success because it's not a failure. It's a learning lesson. How do you know you did it wrong until you got it wrong? Yeah. That's the key, taking it as a learning lesson. Yeah, exactly, right? Execution trumps uh, analyzing any day. Yeah. So with that being said now, what advice would you give to that next person who's in university, graduating, and doesn't know what to do with themselves and really didn't have that forward thinking at the age you did, but they just know they don't want to be part of that corporate ladder, at least not for a long term? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say, I wish someone would have told me this when I was... 17, 18 years old, I would say go find the person living your ideal life and shadow them and work for them for free for two, three years. Sacrifice that, get past the learning curve. You're going to save yourself, you know, in our industry, you're going to save yourself tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars in mistakes. You're not going to have to go do what I did, you know, obsess over podcasts for five hours a day for four or five years straight. You're not going to have all that. You're going to be better off in the long run if you just sacrifice for the short term for the long term. I wish someone would have told me that when I was 17, 18 to just go work for the person living my ideal life and learn and soak up as much information from them as I can. And then in a few years, exit that and go implement that into your own business. Great advice. I like that. So now I'm going to get down to a couple more questions. Then I'm going to go into what I call the lightning round. Okay. 
So second last question, which is, I think, an important question. How do you know you've had a successful day? So I think that all depends on, you know, the person's definition of success. My, I feel a lot of people, you know, tie success to a numerical value. And yes, I can see that. Um, I try to have the lens of, uh, in a way to be more positive, you know, my definition of success is you're successful if you like who you are, you like what you do, and you like how you do it. Great answer. Now, last but not least before the lightning round. If someone's looking to reach out to you, where do they find you? Great question. Um, so I'm on uh, all social media platforms. Morgan Aaronzeller is uh, my handles. I'm actually working on a website right now and uh, for free real estate courses. So um, when that's finished, hopefully you can maybe update that and uh, you guys could get some free real estate course and education. Fantastic. All right, let's get into the lightning round. <laughs> um, <laughs> question number one is going to be, what is your favorite food and why? That's a good question. I would say I like steak a lot. Um, I think I like it because just something, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I like, steak. I like steak a lot. I just feel there's something manly about that, you know, uh, Cooking, cooking a steak medium over the grill, medium rare. Then, um, but yeah, I like, I like that, and the fact that I guess everyone, not everyone, but the a lot of people, kind of brings me back to like our ancestry days. Um, I like the stuff like they're very bloody and stuff like that because I feel like we're caught up in a world today where it's so far fetched from where we came from. So I guess that's like the aspect I liked about it when I, I can't think of it, but yeah. well, I, I think we get the point. Um, now, which brings up the point, uh, another thing that I was, that I caught on there. So you let, you actually let, you would prefer, correct me if I'm wrong, from what, this is what I got from what you said. You would prefer to be in your own backyard cooking up your steaks than to go out and order one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's not just the, it's not just eating the steak, but it's the process of uh, making it. Preparation and everything. Yeah. I, I, I kind of uh, can, res uh, you know, relate to that. I love barbecues and I love making it out, being on that grill. It's just thrilling and exciting. Yeah. I like that. And like my, my uncles and stuff, they butcher a lot and smoke meat. So I really like that stuff too, um, being around that type of stuff. Makes sense. All right. Question number two, favorite vacation spot. Favorite vacation spot. Oh man, it's a good one. So I would say my favorite vacation spot so far I've been to would be Cancun. Um, I went there my last semester of college. So it was a pretty fun time, spring break, but I normally don't go on vacations too much. I live a pretty modest lifestyle um, right, right for now, um, just because I'd rather live below my means and then in three, four or five years reap the benefits later. Got it. Third question, favorite podcast or book and or book? Favorite podcast? Uh, well, John, your podcast obviously has to be mentioned. <laughs> da -da -da. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I would say my favorite podcast would be, I got a lot, tons of value out of Meet Kevin. Um, I got really, really tons of value out of him uh, learning and when I was first starting my real estate career. So kudos to him. Uh, hopefully he watches this sometime, but yeah, great guy. He has gold mines of information on his YouTube channel. He's more of a financial analyst now, 
um, his as his latest videos, but his early videos are literally a complete goldmine for real estate if you're trying to start out. Um, as far as favorite book, I would have to say Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I read that on one of my early careers, and that's, I would say, that gave me the mindset and unlocked unlocked me from, okay, you know, average to I got to I can achieve so much more. Got it. Last but not least, if you had unlimited amount of money, but you only had 48 hours to spend it, you could do whatever you want. What you spend, you get to keep and what you don't gets taken away. What would you do? 48 hours to spend all the money. Um, or whatever. I mean, because it's unlimited, so it's never out. So you got yeah. 48 hours to do whatever you want, but you got to do it in 48 hours or spend it in 48 hours. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to do it right, you know, in the 48 hours. You just got to spend it. And uh, again, what you don't spend gets taken away, but what you spent it on, you get to keep. I would say experiences, and I would definitely buy a private jet to buy back my time um, in a sense like that. Uh, I would rather, I like experiences a lot. I would take, you know, everyone I care and loved about experiences and maybe donate a lot to my favorite charitable organization but that's one thing i prioritize definitely be the experiences and bring those that i care about with me got it love that answer you had me worried there for a second because uh i asked that question and uh, the reason i ask it that way is that um when you ask somebody says if i gave you a million dollars what would you do with it everyone's i'm going to pay off my mortgage i'm going to buy myself a ferrari and and it's all monetary crap that they don't actually mean but they feel pressurized so yeah. they go with the defaults because they feel pressurized and but when you ask it the way i did that took removed all the pressure other yeah. than the time pressure and then that point in time you get somebody's deep down inner thoughts and Right away, when you went when you went to the uh, like you said experiences, I thought, okay, we're going the right direction. Then you said the plane. I go, oh, now I was going to monetary. This is going to be the first guy that gave me monetary value in this, and I'm like, oh, I want to like I usually try to prove a point that people don't generally want the money; they want the money to do the things they want in life. Yeah. Right. And, and then the thing is that, oh, he's going to give me the money answer. This is going to be the first time in history that, that this has happened. <laughs> and then you just kept going. And I'm like, oh, got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not I much wrong. If somebody turns around and says, I want a billion dollars, there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you really want. I just don't believe that's people's inner thoughts or inner desire. I believe they want to. You know, they want the things that the billion dollars gives them, like the experiences, as you said. Yeah, the why behind it. Why do you want that money? That's the value. Right, exactly. And if I asked you, you know, what's your why? It'd be, uh, uh, and then you come up with stuff that you can think of. Yeah. So I, I got, I killed two birds with one stone. I got yeah, the one question that gives me your why and gives me your desire. <laughs> so <laughs> awesome. Morgan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, John, thank you. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. If you like what you saw, subscribe to the link below.